And we're live. <laughs> we're live and off here is an impromptu JLS Parlor episode. We brought in Chantal because she's in town and she has a book that she's all happy about to show with everyone. Yeah, I actually left it in the living room, but it's all good. You can go get it. I'm not running. I can walk. Okay, I'll walk briskly. So we've started and now she has to go get her book because she didn't remember to bring it into the room. <laughs> Top level production. We've. I think that was classified as a jog. Yeah, that was fast enough to be a jog. I literally just walk. I have long legs. Um, so yeah, if you guys want to touch it, it has all the power in it. All the power. All the power. Not for resale. Yeah, this is a proof, so I cannot sell that one. But that's just for me to. Have. So I like you don't actually have official publishing, or is this just a proof that you show for marketing? It's a proof I show for marketing. It's a proof that I have for myself. I like proofread to make sure there's no okay. errors. Okay. Yeah. And then I have a box full of them in my car of the real sellable. Of oh, the actual published yeah. sellable. <laughs> and the Kindle on Amazon. Yeah, the Kindle's on Amazon, and the book is called Running Out of Tomorrows, which took me forever to write. Um, it only took me a year to write, but I kept giving up halfway through it and not completing the process. So. So you kept reaching the halfway point and then giving up and starting over again? How or just, I would give up and I'd just be like, I don't feel like finishing it. Yeah. Or, but then I was like, if I can't tell people that I'm an author, or I can't tell people I'm a writer if I haven't written anything. It's kind That's of fair. Like That's definitely fair. People sing, say they're singers, but they don't go out and sing. They yeah, just no, they just stand. do karaoke and yeah. no one likes them. <laughs> yeah. So I figured I need something. And then finally I, I fought with it for years. Um, and ironically, at my last job, I finished it and edited while I was at work. But yeah, that's, I won't say the job it was at, but I spent two years just, just messing with the book while, while it was working. Yeah, yeah, no, I did. The, I did that for like a lot of, for a lot of figuring out the the math of purchasing all the equipment for this podcast. I just made the Excel spreadsheets at work yeah. in between phone calls, basically. Yes. it's like whatever, honey. <laughs> get the microphone. Yeah, so or I, I finished my work really quickly so I can get to it. Yeah, so I was exactly. like, anyone else would be taking six hours on it. I would be like, let me finish this in two so I can get to whatever. Yeah, I yeah, definitely, definitely. So we're running out of tomorrows. So we could re read the back of this. Do you want to explain this book, or do you want me to read the back of it? It could be both. It could be. <laughs> All right, so we'll start it's, with. I the... don't know if you can see it through the resale. Can you see? I will it? try really hard. Ooh, that's gonna be hard. I I give you props. I could just pull it up on Amazon. Make your life easy. Sean Graham's life is unraveling. At least, that is what it feels like. If you thought high school was difficult, his first year of college and an iron-fisted professor challenge his... Wait. And an iron-fisted fisted professor... I think this is off right here. An iron-fisted... An iron-fisted... <laughs> iron-fisted professor challenge his wits and makes him second-guess his goals in life. He struggles with meeting the expectations of his family, his responsibilities of attending school, and his own needs when he meets someone who has captured his interest and further diverts his fragile attention. Not for resale. <laughs> he finally he reaches a point when he decides to put his own needs in front of everything else. Will his decision mean he has to abandon everything he knows and loves? I'm surprised that you read through the do not I've read through some bullshit before, yeah. so <laughs> I was able to get through the band of not for resale. Yeah, so I can like kind of sum that up in a more fun way. It's a life story. It yeah, it's a life like. story. It's kind of like a coming of age story. He goes off to college. He's trying to navigate 
Um, he has four older sisters who are brighter than he is. He's mm -hmm. always accomplished more than he is. Mm -hmm. um, is or he, he has. He's the baby? He's the baby. He's yeah. the only boy. And yeah. so he's, he doesn't feel half as smart as they are. He never even thought he was going to go to college. Um, and so now he has to figure out if he can even survive through college. And he, has to, and he falls in love with someone who diverts his attention. And he has to figure out if he's going to stay on track and try to do something with his life or he's just going to throw it all away. Mm-hmm. So that's it, and just it's it's um, at UCF, so it's local. It's l so you actually just like use UCF grounds as yeah. just your settings and yes. everything. And that's and pretty I, awesome. Yeah, it was like something I knew, and it was my first book, so it was easy to write about something I knew. Definitely. Um, but my second book is not going to be anything about. I mean, it might be a love story, but it's going to be more sci-fi based. Oh, okay. Um, it's going to be people with powers and kind of like a. Have you ever watched Heroes? Yeah, way back that yeah. like. I think, as I remember, because I never watched any of it, mm -hmm. but the that was one of the shows that had so much hype, and then like fell on its fell flat by the end of it somehow. What so, do you mean by the end of the seasons? Like, I guess like by the end of the show, it just like went to shit or something like that. The show did go to shit, um, and the last season was kind of cut short. I feel like there was remember the writer strike that happened when we were in like high school. The what strike? The writer's, writer's strike. strike. Yeah, yeah. So there was a season that was like, instead of 20 episodes, it was like 8 or 12. Yeah, because there's no writers to yeah, write it. Yeah, everybody like was... John Stewart, Stephen Colbert are just yeah. like running through each other's studios trying to make content out of it, basically. Yes. So that's basically what happened to Heroes. It just, mm -hmm. the writer's strike screwed it up, and then after the writer's strike, when they started writing again, it just didn't have the same... They can't connect it. Yeah. Like, and then they ended the season abruptly. Like, yeah. it was supposed to come back to another season. And the show just ended. No. And people were like, when is it coming back? And we're like, it's not. It's never coming back. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. The show just kaput. It died. died. Yeah. Just right then and there. It ran yeah. out of gas. I think since then, though, everyone, like, that's really opened up mainstream for sci-fi stuff and probably, like, helped bring in, like, comic book world. Because mm -hmm. it's like, oh, wait, a compelling story, and these people just happen to have superpowers. Yeah, and I'm trying, it was hard for me to, I'm still writing the book, but it's hard for me to have the superpowers because I'm trying not to do, like, an X-Men thing. So yeah. you're trying to think of powers that no one's thought of yet. Whoa. Because invisible is like, okay, that's ironic. Yeah. Like, everybody does invisible. Yeah. Everyone does reading minds. Yeah. Moving things with your brain. Yeah, fire powers yeah. or something. So I'm trying to think of, like, powers that we haven't seen before. Yeah. So the main character in my next book has a power where she can touch a building and see through it and see who's in it, see who's... <laughs> see. Wow, that's right on the podcast. Um... <laughs> So yeah, it's not getting edited out. No, that's that's, it, that's staying that. in there. Great, I love it. It's, I chose your true grit. <laughs> I have grit. Yeah. When I'm not dealing with dirt and bugs <laughs> and snakes in my job. What I wasn't excited about when I came back to Florida, the bugs. Love bugs. How did you know I was gonna say that? Because love bugs. Because <laughs> because you and Monica, it was no, always I'm the fine bugs. With bugs. I'm not fine with love with, bugs because no, I'm fine with love bugs too. But there's just too many. This is actually when, 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 through like a swarm of them yeah. in your yeah. front of your car and yeah. it's black. Yeah. And they're like the one bug whose guts just like implant themselves on your glass. Yeah. Like any other bug probably washes off with some good rain axe, but love bugs are just like, no, you've killed me. I'm not going to do it and infest your glass. And I heard, not even just your glass, it will ruin your paint. Oh, yeah. yeah, you actually typically have to use like. They have like massively acidic. Coca Cola. Like, and, yeah. Well, you have to use Coca-Cola to kind of get them off because yeah. that's how like strong. Do you think like Coca-Cola is gonna eventually like one because we're starting to realize how like horrible sugar I was is just for about the to say like 
Coca-Cola is something that we put in our bodies, but we use it to clean. We use it to break down. Well, so, it's so disgusting. Well, it, no, it's worse than that. Is that uh, So Coca-Cola actually has enough sugar in it that your body would normally actually puke it out immediately, but they put an antidiuretic in there, so it'll you keep it down. So, yeah. You yeah we, went to, we went from cocaine to just forcing your body to take in an obscene amount of sugar. So my thought wave now is that as we get a little bit smarter and realizing that like having fat-based diets like uh, keto mm-hmm. and like how European has their diets and realizing that like a lot of the health issues we have are from like very sugary diets starting like in the 70s, mm-hmm. does Coca-Cola eventually become just like a cleaning a product? Cleaning a cleaning product. product. That's a great like, way because to- like Listerine, Listerine was a cleaning product. And then they're like, hey, you have bad breath. And halitosis, which was an entirely made up thing that Listerine came up with. And now we put uh, rubbing alcohol in our mouth. Yeah, and actually one of my bosses at my old job told me that in college they were poor, so they would drink Listerine to get drunk, and I was like, that's the bottom of the bottom. It is the bottom of the bottom. <laughs> I feel like I could not it drink is. That's some archer-level shit right yeah, there. Yeah, I could it's not like, drink Listerine. It's like you're, you're sitting there going, like, you couldn't afford Natty Light? You couldn't afford a 40? Like, what kind of... You, well, had, you had to go buy a Listerine. <laughs> I don't buy this out. I, I mean, and how even, much is it? Even more like crazy I've been told the best way to get drunk from someone in the military who of course they don't they know everything yeah they, they said they, they, they can make a shot out of a 22 casing like they said go get blood drawn oh. take an aspirin drink a beer and you'll be drunk oh is this our marine our local marine Mm-mm. someone who? I met up in Tallahassee nice <laughs> yeah no that's a what the fuck thing because why do I want to get drunk that bad? Hey, first off, you're donating blood. It's charity. Taking a Tylenol, very simple medication, very cheap to have. A single beer, that's like a dollar. I see. Like, this is like... I feel like This is like a dollar fifty, and you get free cookies. And you get free cookies and, and juice. And typically... Like, you're literally just getting snacked. You're pre-gaming on the no blood. You grab your, you grab your drug, and you grab a single beer, and you're set for the afternoon. It's like Happy Tuesday. Sometimes they'll pay you to give blood too, and you can use yeah, the money from that to some, get. Yeah. That's uh, platelets or something. No, not plasma. This is oh. this is doing blood donation. Yeah, yeah. just blood donation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because when I was the plasma, when I used to work they, at um, Publix, there would be a blood donation place right next to where I was working, mm-hmm. and a lot of people would come in with the cards that, and they would. Like they, with cards or the blood it's, card? It's like a card. They oh, like yeah. Like a debit card. Yeah, yeah, no. I used to donate plasma. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. There's a whole waiting two days for it to transfer over to your yeah. normal account. And they yeah. used to come in and they would literally buy a grape so that can would only be like two cents and then they would... Cash back the rest. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, to get drunk on alcohol or whatever you guys just said with donating blood, I feel like that is... They're the kind of... Try, you're doing too much work just to get drunk. They're the kind of people that bother me because it's very apparent they don't have any good like financial planning skill. Because like, I used to do that and yeah. I've always been on the mindset of like the money's going to come eventually so I just play like a month by month game yeah. per se. But people that are like, no, I want cash immediately. Like friends that were going to do Uber, it's like, wait, can I cash out immediately with Uber? Like, you know, I go yeah. out, drive for the night and then immediately cash out. It's like, no, but why? Like, what game are you playing? Like, must buy alcohols tonight. Can't plan <laughs> Can't a weekend. I mean, I used to drive for Uber and it would say like, take out what, 2% or something like that if you yeah. get it immediately. And I was like, that's, to no. me in my mind, 2% is too much. No, it's like, wait. Anytime I have to take out more than, yeah, wait I, a I week. don't want any, any fees. Yeah, just fees. wait a week. Yeah. Bring the mic a little closer. Hey y'all, how you doing? That's probably a little better, yeah. How you doing? Thank you, episode of Friends. 
That was kind of Th- a Wendy Williams. Th- slash. Thank you, Joey. That was kind of a Wendy Williams slash Joey. Oh jeez. Oh man. So yeah, we were just talking about work earlier and how shitty it is, and it doesn't matter how many jobs you move to. Work still shit. Usually comes down to boss though. Like everyone yeah. sort of realized like management. Like like I've and I've told plenty of people this, even when um I was at my pharmaceutical job. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't care what work you do. You care about like the apparent culture that your most immediate influential boss does. Mm-hmm. And so the re- the big boon for like the whole batch of people that I was working with is we all realized that all of our quote unquote managers to even the site manager had no influence about like us getting dragged into this call center work. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, then we don't care. Like, hey, you shouldn't be, you should immediately disposition like what type of call this was so you can get to the next call. It's like, no, I don't mm-hmm. care. You're gonna get in trouble. Don't care. I mean, my boss now is way better than the boss I had. So like sometimes I was about to say, you, I thought you said it, that I'd seen that your current job was way better than the previous Way better. Ones. But obviously like when you know you like have something you love, yeah. For example, I don't know what you love other than gaming podcasts and. We need to get to know each other, don't we? Melanie, could you please exit the stage right? So me and Chantel. <laughs> we have a lot of. Get us some it. candles, if you will. <laughs> Lights dim. We already have the the cow prepared in the other room. Bring that in here. See, like, I we know shall... I want to be a writer, so, like, anything not writing, mm-hmm. I'm excited about it, but I'm not in love with it. Yeah, like, teach me, learn about it, yeah. and fascinating, and then you get back to your writing and somehow it'll find its way yeah. in. Yeah, so that's basically what it is. So yeah. my job now is 10 times better than my old job. Yeah. Probably 50 times better than my old yeah. job. Yeah. Um, but I still have it in the back of my mind, but I don't think I would ever quit my job and do writing full-time, because when you You need that day job. Yeah, like, you need a day job or you need to talk to people. Yeah. When you're a writer, you're sitting home all day writing. And like, if you do want to go to like Starbucks or the library or whatever, yeah. still you sitting there by yourself doing nothing. So yeah. like, I need the pe- person interaction. You need something that's work. Yeah. Like that's, occupy your mind in the daytime. Because like my job right now is like I'm up at five, I leave by six, I'm out of the office by like six thirty, get prepped for the day, go out, hit eight houses, changing out their termite stuff, mm-hmm. and then I can once I get past like my ninety days because we do quarterly, so first ninety days you're doing the, all the first property, all the properties that you're ever gonna hit for mm-hmm. the first time. So, like, on day 91, I'm like, oh, I've been here before. I know where everything is. So I can be done instead of, like, getting home or getting done by, like, four. I'll be done at one. Because mm-hmm. now you know the property. Yeah, now I know where all this stuff is, and I'm not... And you know where the I'm not fucking is. around in people's gardens, ruining their mulch. <laughs> like, where is your shit? God damn it! <laughs> but, like, I sit there and think, is, like, if this job, like, let me cut, like, my salary in half and just work two to three days a week, and I spent the other days just doing the podcast or doing anything mm-hmm. production-wise, because... I'm, I think I'm the best person to where I'm not naturally creative or artistic, but I'm naturally very industrious. Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking for like a creative partner mm-hmm. and I just hear their idea and then I know how to make it happen or make it like start to go. Yeah. And I've always been like even efficient with networking. So like I usually like to be the person that's like most resourceful. Mm-hmm. So it's like I hear artists and I go, what are you trying to do? And then I go this is how it can be done and this is how I can be involved to help you do it or this is just how you can do it by yourself. Like either or. So yeah. like, and you're, so you're almost like a consultant. Well, like, so there's this um, YouTube series that um, is trying to be made that ha- already had two seasons by the creator um, over at Xander Brow. And so he's recruited on in uh, a friend, Tyler, who was on our Gauntlet Let's Play. 
um, Tyler Dye is looking to direct, and he's basically leading up for directing. So he's do he wrote the script. He he's written like eight drafts. We have a final committed draft, so he's running through the shot list. He's running through everything. We have a, a guy to do the choreography to help get these people to look like they're fighting instead of just do slow fighting yeah. and speed it up. And you always see like the you just see them just going at inhuman, like yeah, yeah, just like really bad choreography. <laughs> um, so like Tyler brought me in. And it's because he gets to sit there and get more, keep the big, keep the donut in mind instead of focusing on the hole. Mm-hmm. And I like the analogy. It's stolen. I can't remember who gave it, but it's a really good one. Um, and I get to be the AD because AD is basically just like yelling at people to get shit done. Associate director. Assistant director. You still have to tell people what it is. Doesn't. <laughs> okay. So like he basically recruits me in and I just get to play like set up the events of just like here's the table read here's that or just really like run the logistics of it which naturally feeds to me so that's what i i love to do like i don't think i have anything specific that i love to do outside of like the only creative thing that i know i can do is improv because it makes me drop my ego Mm -hmm. and then i like can tap into like the creative like universal like ether because i stop caring and then it just happens yeah um my co-worker does improv and she's told me about it and I feel like I could do it but I'm I'm the kind of person where I say I can do things and I just don't um but I think yeah there's a lot of things to do yeah there's a lot of things to do like yeah. I can give you a book that I'm almost done with it's like you get it done in an afternoon if you like pound it through it because it's only like 12 chapters um but it was basically written by like Del Close and a bunch of other like um and Bill Murray a lot of um original people from those that era where SNL was starting mm-hmm. and it gives a whole play by like a whole 12 rules of improv and you realize like especially at least for me I realized improv is what I actually have been sort of craving or having a comedic passion for because mm-hmm. I've watched stand-up forever but once you learn what stand-up actually is you realize it's just a rehearsed act that's done over and over and you can feel that stand-up is supposed to look Improvised. Yeah, it's supposed Im- to look like you're just randomly telling. Stories. Yeah, and improv is supposed to look like it was rehearsed when done by very good improvisers. That's actually the trade-off. Improv should look rehearsed, mm, and like that. and stand-up should look improvised, and that's the that's the peak of those art forms. And so when me and Melanie actually went and did the two levels at SAC here in Orlando, by the end of it, like we're really, really like we're so positive on it we're basically going to be trying to run improv exercises and just put people on like the driveway stage so to speak to and we will have like some people there that can actually do it hopefully um at least between her and i and then the other the um other girl that was with us for set for our level two class um because improv is incredibly fulfilling when you have a good teacher because you just get you find this other world where you're not thinking about the next thing you're just doing and somehow like you're all in this you are you're going into a hive mind is how it's actually described in the book like you enter a hive mind Mm -hmm. and you're just creating constantly and it's fantastic because the real like piece of it is that there is no wrong answer Mm -hmm. yeah it's just i'm going to say yes to whatever you say and then add on to it yeah like I think and for so like such a growing yeah thing that yeah. it it's very positive as well. I went to a few improv shows here in Orlando. I forgot the name of it, but 
they were doing it like throughout Orlando. And yeah. That's when I, st- I went to Saks after that, and then I also went to improv. Um, but I feel as if I enjoy it so much as a viewer. audience member. Yeah. It goes up to it goes from if you're at ten, you'll break it to twenty out of ten if you get on stage. Because like so here's I think I would have anxiety like <laughs> you'll get over it relatively quickly. Probably. You'll get over it. I mean, I think it would the be good to be in front of a crowd. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So here's the funny thing that is actually very, very true about any performance. The audience wants you to win. Whether it's a theater and it's been crafted and performed, they want you to win. And stand-up and improv, they want you to win. They want you to succeed. They want you to be entertaining and funny. Mm-hmm. And when you're not, you and the audience know it. Like for improv, if you're trying too hard or you're just pulling cheap jokes everyone knows it you're shitting on your other performers and the audience knows that you exactly. are they like they don't know the mechanics of how an improv show should go but they know it's like that's a cheap easy joke yeah. we all know that reference like mm-hmm. if it's if we know that reference and you pull it out like you're you're pulling out the conscience reference like the most predictable thing yeah and they're not gonna laugh at the most predictable thing no they don't they probably already thought yeah it. they <laughs> love they love when you pull out that reference that everyone knows but it's like, whoa, that just came. Yeah. So you're not like, even expecting. So like you, you're, you're, you'll have your anxiety out the gate, but like, it's one of those where like once you realize the audience is incredibly accepting of whatever the fuck you're about to do, and you just understand a few base like rules, then it's like we're just off to the races. And there's a point where you also get into it so much that it's just like, I don't care about the audience. Yeah. I'm doing this for me, and I'm playing a game, and I just happen to be on stage, and other people are watching. And, and people may be laughing. Yeah. yeah like, so that's like a added bonus. Yeah, like when we were having our... When, well, like we had the fun thing for our level two where the entire class was actually done like in that main um, auditorium, that main stage at SAC, as opposed to like their upstairs classroom. Mm-hmm. You can bring that closer to you. Don't worry about me. Okay. <laughs> it's like you're going like nine miles to get your glass. I have long arms. But like we got to basically sit on the actual stage. And fingers. Okay. <laughs> That's, are, you, are you advertising to those that might be interested? Uh, Instagram me at author Chantal Roche, long fingers. I don't think that's the full handle, but you know, I'll still look it up. And I'm probably going to find some like creepypasta looking shit. Like, that needs to be like your alt account. Or it's just you do it, you just like editing in some crazy nonsense, like you like you just like figure out how to demogorgon your face, <laughs> or like the flower from Jumanji. We that... are literally coming up with great ideas right now, we, and we're not even writing it down. Like, no, it's recorded. It's recorded. Yeah, you we don't to... need to. All you have to do is like when you're flying home, just turn on the YouTube's, listen to this bullshit. I'm like, oh yeah, there's that great idea oh, we came yeah. up with. I gotta write this down real quick. See the problem that po- the pro- the fucked up thing that popped. Uh, smokers don't do is they just don't record their high sessions <laughs> oh my god because like the, the the most obvious there's two things about smoking weed that everyone knows the munchies and coming up with a million great ideas that you never write you'll down. never f- remember or you think it's too stupid because you now you're sober and you're like <laughs> i don't think that's as great as i thought it was you remember the 70s show oh, they yeah. recorded them high <laughs> and all they could think was I was so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Foreman. Exactly. Yeah. When you're high, it sounds like a great idea. Well, everything is, like, turned up t- turned up when you're high. Like, crossfaded watching, like, the first two first few episodes of, like, Letterkenny. Murdered. You know what I realized lately? I analyze shows a lot worse. When you're high, or? Exactly. 
you analyze them worse. Like, like first up, you're trying to analyze things when you're high. Like, what? I I'm like, like, this acting is terrible. That doesn't. It's and, not wait, as, and then you watch it again. You're like, actually, the acting's okay. When you're sober, I'm like, this acting's great. But then when I watch it, high, I don't know what happens. Like, I think your tolerance drops. Like, I think you're. I think when you you get high, then it sounds like your nice pieces go away somehow. I've never been high, guys. True story. True story. I've been drink, drunk, well, but I've never been high. Okay, so this is what reminds me of is Umbrella, is Umbrella Academy. Did you ever watch that? It was no. on Netflix. Okay, me and Melanie literally watched the whole first season because it was such... It had such a potential story and potential characters, but it was so poorly executed yeah. that we just finished it to be like, how does this end? I was like, I just wanted the end of the story. Yeah. I, I didn't even care about, you know, the characters at that point. I just wanted, like okay, what is the so end of the story? Point. Just give me the end of the story. Yeah. And that happens to me a lot with books. I'm like, I'm a nerd when it comes to books. I read a lot. And I'll start a story and it'll start off so promising. Yeah. And then I get midway through and I'm like, this is horrible. But now I need to know how this ends. Yeah. And I have to finish this book. Well, There's only one book in my entire life that I never finished because I couldn't. I just couldn't. Yeah, no. And I that was... um. Catching Fire, like the series Katniss. Oh it? yeah, uh, Hunger Games. Hunger yeah. Games. I just couldn't finish. Would you get to the fr- which one? I, I got to like the second book midway through, and I was like, I, I can't do this. Mine was Aragon. I couldn't. I was literally halfway the through the first book, and I literally, legit. You know how big that first book is. Yeah. I was halfway. Yeah, I still couldn't get into it. I was like, I can't. Do and I'm this. sitting here going like, um, well, I read all of the Hunger Games during like the last major hurricane that hit Florida, <laughs> and I like died. This year. Like last year. Okay. Like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I read through all three, like, in you like in, in like forty eight hours, and I was like emotionally traumatized because of just like how well they sort of execute PTSD in the third one. See, that's the thing. I never got to the third one, so I, maybe I should go back. Yeah. And, and finish like the it. second one, I think, is when they're just running through the main. What's the f- first one? Is when she wins the game. The second one is just running through politics, politics, and like. That's I'm, why I got lost. And that's the other game that they sort of break out of, I think. And then the third one, they're like in total warfare. I think that's what got me. The second one started going through the politics of, like, what happens after they won and everything. And I was just like, I'm, I can't do this. But I should have... It's I, it's maybe world building at best, but... Yeah. Like, I know that by the end of the third one, like, it was emotionally, like... It, they hit PTSD so well, in my mind, for someone that's, like, never had it, never had warfare. Yeah. But, like, the emotional, like, connection you have with certain characters is just so strengthened that, like... I just came away. I was like, this is so good. Yeah. And then, like, but, like, the... So, like, me and Melanie got turned on to uh, Ransom Riggs' um, uh, Peculiar Children series. I've heard of it. And I'm on, like, the second book, and I just, like, restarted because I just went and... Um, because my job lets me do it, I just basically have, like, a Bluetooth speaker on my hip. Mm-hmm. And I just audiobook things because ever <laughs> since... Ever since... Ever since I left school, I can't sit down and read. Because I just don't have the time for it. Like, and as some people tell me they can't read because their brain's going too much. So like, they're thinking about everything they should be doing or yeah. everything they want to do. Well, a lot of people, especially with how busybodies we are these days, they'd sooner be doing like housework, like brain dead work, which is why I got the job I got. Mm, yeah, I wanted a brain dead job so I could listen to my books and podcasts, so I could because like I'm listening to like college lectures. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to like compelling stories and books, like Terry. Terry Goodkind's like sort of truth series, which yeah. is like which kind of helps you. Well, it does. It's something compelling instead of just sitting there in your own like you. 
there is like I'll pick certain houses or days or certain periods of the day where I just don't listen to anything and then you start going down the monologues and dialogues you should be having with people and preparing for those and coming up with creative thoughts and like texting your personal phone to like have that for later like I think that's the good thing where people don't realize if you want to be good at a craft you have to listen to other things like well yeah I, I want to be a writer it. so I have to read yeah and have you read I, Stephen King's on writing I don't read any of Stephen King's book. I know that's crazy, but no, that's, I, haven't, I haven't read anything. I the only Stephen King book I've read is his book on writing, which is literally his like memento, mildly bi- biographical, autobiographical. Really? Yeah, like I'll throw it at you. Um, it's on my shelf I'll in there. You. It's oh. pretty thick. I don't know. No, it's Maybe not. It's, it's like that thick. It's not. Yeah, the on writing. I'll go. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, so he's gonna do a I quick jog. I have to prove her wrong. No, I'll walk. I no. I remember this book being sitting sitting on the dresser, and I was pretty sure it was like this fucking thing. Oh, that may yeah. be true. That may on be the true. Of giants apparently is what she's thinking of, and she is incorrect. We'll see in a second when he comes back with the book. Yeah, on the shoulders of giants is a compilation of like Galileo, Einstein. Oh, okay, that's, that's a good read. Yeah. Um, was, it, so it's a basically. It's, uh, it's a story his, about his craft, like how he's... It's autobiographical in terms of where he has been a fan of horror forever mm-hmm. and how that became, but also all the all the things that influenced his process and how he thinks about writing. Because Stephen King is the type of writer that he makes like four hours every day or something like that where he sits in his office and does nothing but write. I... Regardless of if he uses But like it one or of not. his rules, one of his rules that you've already like reflected is that he reads constantly. Exactly. And another thing that he probably touches on is write even if you don't have a plot or don't well, know he had, where it's going to go. I gave you this, can always clean it up. Well, this is actually goes back to a few things. This, so his first, um, the first part he, in the process he gives um, speaks to like the improv thing we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also something I gave uh, Tyler, the director, for writing the script. Is that when you're writing your first draft of anything, you write with the door closed. And you just puke on the on the page, basically. Mm-hmm. Like you're writing for yourself. You write just constantly, endlessly. You're not editing. You're just going, going, yeah, going. Don't going, stop going. and edit stuff and try to make changes. No. The next stage he puts out is you write with the door open. You just open the door to sort of metaphorically represent that you're thinking about the audience in general. And then you go and you basically cut half. You should cut like half of what you wrote, and then you start taking it towards people like very close, trusting people like spouses. Um, editors like close friends to read it over and give their edits mm-hmm. and that's sort of like three of maybe four or five but those are like the main things that I saw I was like that's fantastic because like improv is just doing puking nonsense and once you get your craft down you can create very deep um, connecting stories from nothing mm-hmm. and then for writing it's just it's you know Exactly that. Exactly. Um, when I finished this book, it was almost 100,000 words. Um, and after I did lots of cleaning, lots of... And now it's down to 70. Yeah. So it's just... You're literally, pu- like you said, puking on the page. Yep. And then you can you edit later. Um, yeah, you start finding all the crap that just doesn't need to be there yeah. or contradictions in characters. What the storyline? What does? Yeah. yeah. And well, that's, that's why what... I had a lot of issues with... with does this contribute to the storyline or is this just blah? Um, yeah. So... That's you don't even look at that stuff until later on, like your third edit. Yeah. Um, it's like, and there's a process too. Like then you have beta readers, and then you have proofreaders, and then there's so many different steps. And I feel like that's what I had to learn. 
because in the beginning it was so hard. I was like, I have so many steps that I have to do. Yeah. But it's a learning curve. So now anytime I write a book from here on out, I know what not to do and I won't have, it won't take me half as long as it took me this time. No, like, well, Simon Sinek had a really, like, he wrote, like, his very first book, like, Why Leaders Eat Last or something like that, or mm-hmm. Start With Why, whichever one was his first book. And, like, they were like, how long to your next book? He's like, well, it took me, like, you know, 32 <laughs> years to write this book, basically. So I, it took everything up to those 32 years to write this book, so I don't know about the next book. Yeah. Like, I have no idea. And so the only thing you can sort of think of is, like, it took 32 years plus all the things after that first book to get to the second book is kind of the only thing you can sort of run yeah. with that. And I'm thinking about it. I was thinking the other day after I finished this one, I was like, J.K. Rowling. Okay, so my editor was like, you have too many character names in this book. So the main characters, like, pick the main ones and people who are really adding to the story. And anyone else doesn't really need a name. And I was thinking, I was like, J.K. Rowling seriously has, like, 300 (laughs) characters in her book. And we somehow followed along with it. Um, we know what I, yeah <laughs> that's where I disagree with that bit of advice so here's the thing that is very um, important in improv is being hyper specific mm-hmm. so like Mike Myers in his improv it wasn't during like a during like a dining room scene it wasn't past the ketchup it was past the Heinz like oddly incredibly specific it's good for world building scene building and even can be comedically entertaining. It's like, that's oddly specific there, you know, mm-hmm. when that sort of bit runs through. And I through. feel like the specific parts mean something. Well, the specific parts really build it. That's what I wrote, in, when I was writing in the book, I had, like, my main character was wearing Nike high tops and Calvin Klein shirts and stuff like that. And my editor was like, this is too specific. Whoever is reading this who doesn't know about these things that's... will be offended or, like, be angry because they don't know what you're talking about and they're just going to get annoyed. No, and I was like, "Well, no, to look me, it up. I'm trying to paint a they'll picture look it that up. he's fancy, like no. not fancy, but he cares about what he does." That's that is. Those I, are very I, specific brands. Yeah, like, that speaks yeah. to culture. Yeah, like this is where I don't. And it's a young adult book. Young adults know about. They either know about it or they'll look it up. Yeah, like Google's like two feet. At this two point, feet like at this point, most people are pretty quick to just go to their phone and just look up what they don't know. Yeah, like they kind of are, unless it's like it's a really high tense topic, like something that's politically charged. Like their emotions are too tied up, but if yeah, they're reading a book, was... they're reading a book and they see like a reference to a brand. It's like, what's that brand? They look it up. They get two images on the shopping list. Like, oh, okay, okay. it's a and thousand dollars. It gives them watch. an idea of what this person. Yeah, now you like have yeah, like that's. I don't like that advice they threw at you no, with that it, one. It, I got a lot of. I had one person who read my book. She was a personal assistant, so I hired her, and she was saying things that were just like outlandish. I was like, "Are you in America at all?" She was like. I have a character in the book who's vegan mm-hmm. or a vegetarian. Yeah. Um, and he's chubby. And she was like, vegetarians can't be chubby. Yeah, they are. And I'm like, in what world do you live in? I have so many vegetarian friends, sorry guys, that are a little chubby. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Like, you're, it's a mesomorphic, ectomorphic, like, it's a body type yeah. thing. It's not, like, your diet has a very... Has... And people don't realize vegetarians don't just eat vegetables, they eat a lot of flour, like so, like pizza and waffles and stuff like that that have a lot of carbs. Yeah, a lot so, of sugar. A lot of sugar. Yeah. So you're saying that vegetarian cannot be chubby is like the craziest. It's thing. a very incoherent thought yeah. wave. Like you're kind of caught up in the ridiculous left area, where like they're kind of in denial of like just scientific. She was facts. just saying things. She was like, um, "Men don't say the word tipsy." What? You <laughs> know, if I know anything about like. 
male versus female culture. Men say whatever the fuck they want, <laughs> except for whatever will piss off the woman. Yeah. And tipsy and is... And nine times out of ten, they'll say what pissed off the woman just to fucking watch it happen. Yeah. Basically, like... So there was things she was saying to me. I was like, girl... You're fired. Y- y- <laughs> like, I was like... How long did she last? Or do you still have her hired? She's doing basically marketing that I will never do. Like, the small yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. Um... She goes on Facebook and posts things on like yeah. different groups, and I will never sit there and click through groups. I and post things. so she does the small like details that I will probably same. never. I'm touch. not a marketing person. Like They're I can learn same. all the concepts, but I am a production person. I am. I could say that I can do marketing. You just don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy it, and for me, my biggest issue in life with any project I've ever done is your marketing and your marketing and marketing, and some things just don't work. Yeah. And then randomly, one thing that you didn't even realize would work, works. Yeah. But sort of where... So you're wasting a lot of time just clicking around. And yeah. Like, like, there's... It's one of those where, like, Tesla has never spent... Apparently has never spent a dollar on marketing. But they're one of the most recognized, respected mm-hmm. brands in the entire, like, country-world for, like, electric cars and just their product line. A lot of um, expensive luxury cars don't market at all. Oh, yeah. Like they don't need to. Bugatti, Dugatti, yeah. Bentley. They don't like. There's one thing of marketing that Bentley did back when like BMW and all of them and Mercedes were having like some you know who's got the big dick contest, and Bentley just put out like one like ten second ad, five second ad, yeah. where it's like the CEO are just like just brings his middle finger up to the to the thing, and that's all. He and that's all they need. That's the only marketing they've ever done. While everyone's just trying to have this big dick contest, it's like we're Bentley. You don't. You can't. She literally read the book and like didn't have positive things to say but then was like it's a great book though that's like, a bad sandwich <laughs> that's a bad compliment <laughs> sandwich like, she's like it's not for me because um i'm not young adult she was like in her she's in her 50s and she's like i'm not young adult so she lacks good me. perspective she like she doesn't even know her audience and i'm like so if i can't if you don't know your audience if you're not you don't know my audience how yeah. are you going to help me yeah you're just like you're just like going. i feel like some, i feel like she got halfway through the book didn't realize what she was missing as a good assistant to the process yeah I think she just thinks that she can just be an assistance for any. That's a problem with people who are in niche markets. They're just trying to, they're trying to make money at the yeah. end of the day. Well, most people, it's small little editors, small little. You kind of need to think about like well, this is what I tell people when it comes to like doing small business stuff. It's like think about this: if you are C average, if you actually treat the grade scale that we mm-hmm. grew up with, if you are C average, you're not. You are holding water and you are doing better than half the population yeah so most people are c average most people are in the middle of the belt curve and if you can do that you're winning a lot of people work for themselves and so they say to themselves i really want to do this i want to make money doing this Mm -hmm. so i'm going to pick up any project which is probably the worst thing you can do for yourself because you shouldn't be picking any project because what's going to happen is you're not going to be relating to all of the projects and so you can't vouch for it it's as much w- as you would vouch for something you love i think the advice i usually am trying to throw at um especially like parents of young adults like kids that are about to like get out of high school mm-hmm. is like don't go to college like don't send them to college it's a lot of money that you're wasting in time that they're wasting because college and academia is not what it should be for teaching them to think critically and really like grow from there well if you're gonna get into this the problem really relies on a lot more than that for we're writing not, or for in general, uh-huh. we're not preparing our generation for anything. Oh no! So then, when they do get to college, or get out of college, they yeah. don't know what to do. They're still like children. yeah, they're brain dead teenagers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're brain dead teenagers with a giant amount of debt. Yeah, like it's really, it's really annoying that 
with how a lot of us have been raised with broken homes that we don't even know how to run a household Mm -hmm. like at all like so like i've only been picking up cooking actual meat like chicken and steak and stuff i've only really picked that up in the last year maybe and i'm like 27 i'm a little different because my parents are from the caribbean and so i there's a lot of things that they learned Mm-hmm. Because they had no choice but to learn it because yeah. they were poor and yeah, yeah. they came from a family of eight or ten, whatever it may be. So they learned these things and then they came to America. And though I am American, I was raised very Caribbean, much. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so, like, I learned things that when I went to college, my no one Caucasian knew. friends may not have even known. No, they have no idea how to, like, just <laughs> meal prep, take yeah, care of nothing. a house, run a house. And so I was cooking even when we didn't even have a kitchen on. on our floor yeah like i would go walk down to the kitchen and cook and they'd be like why would you cook we have a meal plan or whatever i'm like i i might eat no bullshit out of that cafeteria (laughs) yeah yeah so um i kind of learned these things and then i'm also very budget conscious yeah i do what you do i get an excel and i'll put everything Mm -hmm. on it and see what the end goal total is and i know what's going into savings and like I, yeah. I used to balance a checkbook when I was only 18. Like, there's things that I was doing that nobody I knew was but doing. But here's the thing. Your parents taught you that. And... So, some of it they didn't teach. I was watching them. So, yes, I, I was you saw that. You saw good practices. Yeah. And then once you got into the real world, you're like, these are the good practices that worked, and I saw them work, and I saw the success of my parents. There's no reason not to do them. Yes, and that's the problem. A lot of kids are not seeing their parents do these things. No. And some parents... And I also tell people, like, this might... This is not racist, but... A lot of Caucasians have been here for generations and generations and generations and generations to come. So uh-huh. there's some money that they've had through, oh, yeah. passed down hundreds and hundreds of oh, years. Oh yeah, like like for my example, because like I come from blue collar like background on both sides of my family. Mm-hmm. And so like my dad's side's Syrian, but they look white. Mm-hmm. And then my mom's side is like Scotch-Irish, so very obviously white. Yeah. <laughs> and like the slight difference that I have versus... Uh, like a like a minority counterpart mm-hmm. is that my my background my, the financial health of my extended family gave my mother just enough credence enough work ethic enough just luck whatever have you to get a life insurance policy that so that when she passed I had a life insurance like policy to fall back on yeah. to like reset my life from the shithole I was dealing with with like my roommates at the time mm-hmm. so like most minority situations because of all factors that can be involved yeah. that can't even be in the discussion no to just like be able to land like even us like a hundred thousand dollars sounds like a lot of money to everyone and it is mm-hmm. but it goes fast and like it's a small policy it's actually a really small policy and yeah in the scope of like how what kind of life insurance policies you could get from northwestern mutual morgan stanley or all that yeah so like even that slight advantage is massive in a financial impactful way if you can like land it out and like yeah. play it out or just have the decent discipline or just like it's so it's so disheartening when you see people that like have you you run the math just like the intuitive math in your head of what their life could be or should be right now mm-hmm. when they're living like like it's a it's a three by two apartment and you know they have like full time work somewhere, and it's pr- it's definitely not minimum wage, but it's you know it's not banking, and you're going. You should be throwing a you should be th- be able to throw cash at like anything right and now. A, a lot of my friends that I've talked to, um, I actually posted a face a Facebook question, 
And I was like, I'm not asking anyone what you have in your savings account because mm-hmm. that's like too personal. Yeah. But it, what do you guys think the relative amount of money you should have at the age of 30 in your savings account? And a lot of people answered like a thousand, two thousand, something like that. And I was like, in my head, I was like, whoa, I think. Yeah. I, now I'm feeling rich because I was like, I have one. <laughs> Rule of thumb is eight months worth of pay. And some people were like, by the age of 30 years, Google was crazy. Google said you should have a year's salary by the age, one year salary saved by the age of 30, which I think that's very, very difficult. That's very, it's very low, but it's also like, there's this low. If you're getting paid like 70,000, you think someone should have $70,000 in their bank account at the age of 30. If they've been saving every year since they started working, yes. So to speak. But if they've lived in a place by themselves every year since they've started working, that's well, doubtful. that's that's the big trade-off there, especially with how just how like the housing market is right now. Because like, I f- I'm really hoping and praying, especially with like Melanie trying to like change jobs and stuff, and for us getting out to Austin, that mm-hmm. like the predicted crash that's supposed to happen by like the end of the first yes. term of Trump. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I'm just like, please, please, don't let it happen. Please. No, yeah. you want it to happen. Because, well, yeah, because, like, so people... people You don't want like, it to happen, but you don't want it to happen. Because there's pros and cons. Well, like, so that's where I've always sort of maintained, and I always... And I have a I have the background to where I don't lose work. That's the thing. Um, that's why I picked a profession as, like, healthcare. Yeah. Um, don't... You won't lose work. Yeah. When shit goes to hit the fan. People yeah, at gonna, most, you might lose a job, but they're... You'll have. Well, that's where I have my back. I'm in payroll. Yeah, and I have. There's no way I can not have a job. Yeah, I have administration for healthcare. So if doctors want to get paid and people want to get paid, Mm -hmm. they kind of have to. So I'm doing almost like a payroll type of role. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You do claims, right? Claims and finance, billing, invoicing, all that stuff. So I'm needed, Mm -hmm. and we do everything at my job manually. We do not have a system. Yeah. So, you take out a person. The manual works. You don't have a system. Oh, you're done. Yeah. And the, and the <laughs> amount of training, the amount of years yeah. that go into If you this. had a system, you can replace me in a second, but... It's a little... It's pricey. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's and, what I'm saying. It's yeah. a non-profit. It's a small organization. But, like, bigger organizations like Blue Cross, Blue, Blue Shield could lose people, and they'd be fine because they do have systems. They have yeah. EMRs and all that. So... Yeah. But... I, the economy... Will crash soon. I'm hoping it crashes after my dad retires because last time it crashed, my dad builds houses. Yeah. And in in rich areas in South Florida. Um, and when the economy crashed last time, everything came to a halt. There's wood and tools just sitting in the middle of nowhere with hundreds and thousands of houses half built. Yeah. yeah. And so, when the economy picked back up, so did his work. But he was supposed to retire in like what three, two or three years. So let's let's hold out. Yeah, no. Like, I can I can feel for that, and we're not in a rush for anything. Like, it's its own question of like, if the economy crashes, how much value do I lose in this house, and how hard is it then to like take the take the perceived equity of this house mm-hmm. and move it over to Austin, where it's com- it's a comparable housing market. I would agree with you. Um, or I we would... just find that it's like so affordable. It's like fuck it, we'll just rent it. Because this, at this day and age, people are paying asinine amounts for rent. I was about to say, and they're that. not even flinching about it. It's like, beca- I mean, it's I just expected. moved to Maryland, which is one of the most expensive DC area. Yeah, um, one of the most expensive places, and I kind of work closer to DC. But for me to get an affordable place that, that I personally could afford, I had to move further out in Maryland. Yeah, yeah. And I'm telling you, there's one bedrooms in DC 
in basements. Like two thousand. Like two thousand dollars for a basement attached to someone else's home. And here's the sad thing uh. is this is this is just the expectation now. Yeah. Because But they pay you higher in that area, but it doesn't matter. it's not higher. It's it it's doesn't equal matter. Like, yeah. out to the it's like moving out to California. <laughs> yeah. Like it's oh you're getting paid two hundred thousand annual in California but But you're paying three thousand dollars for rent. Yeah, like or more. <laughs> it's one of those things where people don't recognize and don't understand that in terms of like a healthy financial situation when it comes to rent and housing and everything else you should be spending no more than 33 percent yep maximum on your housing let me do the math real quick and see what i'm doing right now (laughs) (laughs) you gotta come back with like 50 percent like i'm fucked (laughs) no i i've I've always heard a third um and i'm like i said i'm very budget conscious yeah so i do my budget the second they told me my salary what it was going to be and i looked around in the area and see what the rent was going to be I made sure I did the budget to see how much. And I always end up with extra after, and that goes to savings or extra if I had to pay on a credit, if I had yeah. to pay things with credit card. Loans but I know shit. people around me who literally live paycheck to paycheck. Um, and if they didn't work the enough hours that week, they're screwed. Like, we, are, we are more or less like raising a poverty generation. Yes, we are. And it's not even only our fault. It's no. so much of the But like, rent. there's a certain amount, there's a huge amount of like, because this, I saw this out of Sinbad when I was at the improv last Friday. And there's like this obscene amount of like blaming the millennials for what they've inherited. 42%, by the way. <laughs> Tough call. <laughs> Tough call there, sweet cheeks. But like, there's this weird thing where there's an, there's an obscene amount of blaming the millennials for the, for the environment they've inherited. For the what? For the environment and the state of the country that they've inherited. Yeah, and it's almost like, look what you guys have done. No, you guys did this to us. Yeah, like there's... like It's like millennials won't buy houses and have kids because they can't. They keep saying, like, why aren't you guys Because we have too this? much debt. They're like, why are you guys still renting? People tell me every day, you need to stop renting, you need to buy. I'm like, the amount of student loans that I have is enough yeah. for a mortgage. It's where, like, the previous generation <laughs> permitted for this giant bullshit of student loan and like the perversion of the college institution. Because mm-hmm. like at this point, colleges are the biggest scam in the country. I think we're stuck with the perversion of capitalism right now. Oh well, yeah, the biggest musician and it's a greed-based culture. I would say that college is a biggest scam, but on top of that, I don't think I would got the jobs that I've gotten. If, if without it. Yeah, without it. Yeah, that's um, the weird thing. And it's even worse because I'm a like cultured female. Yeah. So. I'm going to get paid less. And without a degree, they probably wouldn't have hired me. Honestly, truly. Like, in yeah, this climate like, we're in. Grabbing a degree just puts a shade of white on you, basically. Yeah, yeah it's like, ooh, girl, she's, she's educated. She has a bachelor's degree. She's not going to yell at us about our weave. What? <laughs> yeah, I was actually had this conversation with my boss the other day telling her that, like, there's actually laws still in America where you cannot wear certain hairstyles. Though they've started to um, um, start started, doing yeah. the yeah, laws they, against once, that. Yeah, I think it was California. Yeah. California just I mean, just last year, a girl got had to... They told her that she had to cut her dreads off. Mm-hmm. That's why they had to do some of these laws, because yeah. they were like, why should she? Yeah. Yeah. Laws only are also struck down or removed once they're actually like brought into a court and actually challenged. Mm-hmm. Like, you can, some people don't want to do that. Like, if someone told me I couldn't have this job, I probably wouldn't feel like going through the, like, yeah. the litigation. Yeah. Like it's not worth it. Well, 
Yeah. Just, I hope I get another job. That's what you th- tell yourself. I hope I get another yeah. job because I'm not going to sit here. Like, the treatment I got at my last job, um, my boss had just won a case with the EEOC about, like, discrimination at her last job. Yeah. She actually fought for it. She yeah. has the, like, vigor to sit here and deal with it. Deal that. with it for, like, eight years yeah. or some shit. Yeah, I personally am just, like, forget that job, fuck that shit, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm too lazy to, to call HR and fight it's with not you. a fight you want to fight no and if you lose you just wasted time yeah or at least um, depending on and they're gonna pay me what a couple thousand dollars I mean that would be great for me to help you help my pay off yeah, my credit if card. you're able to hold a regular job during yeah. that whole time yeah but... no and you have to stop what you're doing a lot and to deal with all this stuff yeah. and it's just time course sometimes I'm just like it's happened for a reason I'm moving on to the next place like my last job sucked so much and it now put me in a position to move somewhere else. I've always wanted to move out of Florida. Mm-hmm. It put me in a position to try a new job. It yeah. put me in a position to experience new cultures. So, like, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit no. with you guys for fucking with me and call this person and, and, and do all, all this shit. It's just too much work. And if I lose, I just wasted so much time. Like, yeah. And they're going to find a way to make me lose, trust me. Well, and I think it's less, it's, it's not even the wasting time. It's you're wasting so much energy on it. Yeah. And you're reliving it all over again. Like, who wants to, I don't. Did you audiobook your your novel? I did not. Not yet. Um, oh, yeah. I'm thinking about it. Most people wait, at least on their first book, they wait until see how the book goes. Yeah. I was going to talk about audiobook earlier when you spoke about it. That I you had that suck look. at audio, listening to audiobooks. Because my attention span is I'll be driving and I'll listen to an audiobook and I'll pass and I'll be like looking at the sky and I'm like, oh, it's a beautiful day outside. Oh, look at oh, that car. Wow. It's perfect. Oh my goodness. What if I had that car? And then I go on like tangents with myself. So, and then all of a sudden you hear back into the story and you're like, shit, I missed something. I'm not only did I miss something, I missed like a whole damn chapter. Like weird. And then I'll rewind hmm. and I'll say this time, pay attention. And she within five have, seconds, I'm gone. She doesn't have our type of busybody, I need to be doing something to pay attention. Yeah, I think it's the creative talent thing. Because I want to make it a biology thing, like male versus female. Because a lot of the guys that I talk to, mm-hmm. they can't sit down and read. Like, they can read, yada yada. Mm-hmm. But, like, they are far more prone to doing an audiobook thing while they have... Well, if they had brain dead work. Like, if they were chopping wood, yeah, or checking did. termite stations, or stocking shelves... They could listen to an audiobook, but some of them are like in IT or they're National Guardsmen. So, like, their ability to listen to an audiobook while like patrolling the damn country <laughs> or, you know, making sure this network is stabilized or these hard drives are cleared. Like, it's like me. I'd love to listen to an audiobook. Yeah. But the- I work in payroll. I'm building payroll systems, talking to people 24 7. Mm-hmm. How am I? I can't, I can't sit there and focus on a book while I'm trying to figure out how to build what a client needs for their payroll system. Yeah. yeah. It's, I feel like it might be the same part of the brain that's being used, but I don't know anything about it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a person-by-person basis. <laughs> it is a person-by-person basis. And here's the, here's the funny thing in terms of, like, and, and uh, at least biology and, like, going way back in human mm-hmm. history is that, like, reading is actually a very new skill in terms of, like, the whole history if you have an evolutionary perspective. Um, because we were all doing oral stories and oral traditions like okay. thousands and thousands and yeah. thousands of years before we even got to like reading. So like, and they've also shown that like uh, classes that split in half where they had half the class read the book mm-hmm. and then half the class audiobook it, they scored the same. There's no actual loss. Like, and I'm someone literally told me this the other day. They were like, audiobook um, does the same thing. It's not cheating because a lot of people are like, oh, it's cheating because you're not actually reading. 
Um, and I... You're in taking information. Shut the fuck up. Like, but for me, my thought process was, when I was younger, I didn't know a lot of big words. Yeah. So reading, seeing the word was the only way I could learn it. Yeah. I can hear it all day, and I don't know how to spell it. And I yeah. think that's a lot of problem with this generation. We do not know how to spell shit, mainly because of autocorrect. But also, I feel like we're not reading the words. There's a lack of exploration. Yeah. There's a lack of, there's a lack of exploratory action. I mean, for years, like, I heard the word silhouette. I'd never seen it. Yeah. And I was seeing it in books, but I didn't know what how to read it. Like a shadow of it, maybe? fucked me up. In it's silhouette. like Colonel. Yes. Yeah. I, would read I, read, I read Colonel forever. As Colonel? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I you're sat like, there. what is a colonel? <laughs> and then someone says colonel, and you're like, That's colonel. Okay. okay, where is that word? <laughs> like, I'm dealing with, like, because, like, I was reading, like, the Redwall series by Brian Jacuzzi, like, mm-hmm. during most of my young, during most of my youth, and had colonel, colonel, <laughs> in there forever. And I sat there, I was like, where is, I've never read colonel. And then someone finally, like, shows it, and I'm just like, you just have that blank face, like, that's the dumbest thing yeah. I've ever seen in And I'm saying, language. like, that's why I feel like reading it is somewhat important. Like, yes, audiobook, you're still getting the information, but for me, it's the spelling of things. Cause yeah. Because I, I didn't, I stared at silhouette for years and never knew that was the word. Yeah. I'd heard it and I'd seen it, but I didn't know they were the same word. How do you pronounce like, it? I was like, Sil Hewitt. Sil Hewitt? I love you. I was like, Sil Hewitt. Like, and then one day I said to myself, I think that's silhouette. All these years I've been reading this motherfucking word and I didn't realize well, it. Well, the only good transition is that you can go like to Alexa or Google now and be like, spell silhouette, please, or something like that. But you would have to know the word. Like, I will learn words from reading it. So yeah. if you don't know the word already, you can't say Alexa, spell this word that you don't even know. You ever heard well, of you, the concept you'd heard of things it. You'd heard, you, But you'd heard silhouette, like taking your... I specific. heard it, but let's say there's a book, there's a word in this book that I don't know. Capacious or whatever the fucking word is. I don't know. I'm just. How do you pronounce C O? Yeah, but if you've never seen, well, no, the you word, just you're do... learning words, so you've never seen the word. You've never oh, yeah, heard you can't it. ask too. E- you can't ask too easily. Like you're hoping that it spells it right when you voice to text it, and voice to text is still. Yeah, but if you've never heard the word, like if I've never heard or seen a word, period, in my life, mm-hmm. and I'm reading a book, now you had no choice but to stop and get a dictionary. You're not gonna yeah, but that it. was like a really awesome thing back then to like go and do that. Yeah, shit. Yeah, my mom used to always make. Sure, anytime I'd say, "Mommy, what does this mean?" She'd be like, "Go get a dictionary." I'm like, "I don't feel like stopping what the fuck I'm doing. I'm reading this great book, and I have to stop and flip through these damn pages." But I do miss dictionary days in life because now I just Google. My favorite it all. thing yeah. about the dictionary was I sat there and found the longest with the the word with the most definitions. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was. I I told someone the other day we all have our nerd tendencies. Some of us have a little bit more than others. I read the dictionary in seventh grade because I was bored. I'm not even surprised. Nerd is nothing more than distinct passion for something specific. And what's funny is that there's like football nerds, but they'll never call nerds because like it was a... Football is mainstream. Well, yeah. Yeah. And nerd nerd was was like a negative connotation for someone who was like passionate about like technical shit. It's like almost passionate about technical shit, but like even football is massively technical. Yeah. And I tell people all the time... I actually had this conversation with my best friend, like, how girls are like, I don't understand football. And I'm like, the basics of football are easier than we all think it is. But they tell themselves that they have to know the plays or whatever, and then they tell themselves they don't know it. And I'm like, you don't have to know the plays. No, if you, understand, if you understand the basic principles of the game that you're watching, you instantly have a storyline that can be compelling. Yeah. You don't need to know the exact play name types yeah. or how No, exactly. I love football. I play Madden all day. It's one of the only games I have on my PS4. I play it all the fucking time. Yeah. Football. And I don't know what the fuck Blitz is <laughs> to this day. I know that 
it helps to get the fucking quarterback or whatever. At yeah. the end of the day... A blitz well, is just, like, the whole defensive line, the, and then some, I guess, just rushes to rushes, the QB. Yeah. The, yeah, the QB. All I know is that, but, like, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to know the freaking Any plays. other technical breakdown beyond that? No. Yeah. Like, what's the tight I mean, end? Yeah. I see th- the names of when I'm playing Madden, you yeah. pick a play, like Tampa or something. Or yeah. Whatever. I see the names of the play, but I don't think... I think sometimes we're all like, oh my God, it's so confusing. No, all you need to do is the quarterback throws it normally to a wide receiver. Yeah. And... They or run the run, the, or the running back like right. just takes the interest. Grabs the runs, yeah, yeah. And, and the then only... you get to a touchdown. You also have a field goal that's one point. Or if you're kicking it during another time, it's three points. Like you don't have to know everything. About it's not. That's <laughs> where like I think baseball is dying, but no one wants to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. But baseball is actually one of them, is actually a far more psychological game. Mm-hmm. And like the and I don't know where all the technical can be, but like football <laughs> is just. Infinitely more technical, probably, because it's much more physically interactive. Go ahead, because I'm actually talking out my ass. <laughs> Baseball is incredibly technical. You actually still do have a lot of people that are very, very passionate about baseball. Mm-hmm. Just that they're on the coast, so you never see it. In yeah. Orlando. Yeah. Well, Florida, Florida is where people come to die. Let's be honest here. It like, is. It is. It's people... a retirement community in the British. Like, that's that's Florida. It's, it's, it's South Cuba and... Like northern Cuba in Miami. Northern Cuba. Yes, yes well, you have northern yeah. Cuba, then you have all of the northeast Puerto snowbirds Rico. coming to retire in yeah. South Florida. So retirement community, old Jewish ladies and everything. Melbourne, Naples. West Palm Beach. Tampa's Boca a Raton. goddamn trash heap. Like. Yeah. I mean, and the thing with Florida sports is we, all of them suck. All of them suck. There was one time where Miami Heat was doing great. Oh no! Well, yeah, my yeah, Miami won the championship back like oh, in two thousand eight or something like two thousand seven. But all and, of our others. The, well, here's the funny thing: is that when Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, it was off the. What year was this? The Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl. Yes. This was fuck. This was like just after two thousand. Like I was still over it. I was still living with my mom, and this is before she got um, remarried. So this is before two thousand five. So this is like wow. two thousand like three. Probably when I wasn't even watching football yet, to be honest. Yeah, like. And the and from what I hear is the only reason the Buccaneer that team was that good and was able to go to the Super Bowl is because of the coach that built it the year before. Damn. Like that's how impactful that coach was. I just feel like all of the Florida teams suck, like in every sport. Well they do. Like so like so from talking to someone who was really big into the magic back when I was at Valencia from talking with Andrew, the magic, all they need to get better is for the owner to die. Because the owner just won't gamble well. I heard um, he's not good with like. No, he's not good with management picks. He's not or good with just control. Nothing. Yeah, he's just too hyper controlling. I mean, we had Dwight Howard one year. Which... Yeah, but now Dwight Howard's like the most is he doesn't exist anymore. Like I he know. leaves the Magic and, and you, nothing. He became Kobe's bitch in L. A. during Kobe's retirement years, and you haven't heard of that motherfucker no. since. Like. I, isn't he going back to the Lakers? I don't know. I heard. I don't follow basketball. Like, if I had Xavier here, we could talk basketball. But I like, don't follow basketball, but I do see the bits and pieces. And else, yeah, my brain like, captures. All it. I know right now is like, co- is like, like LeBron went and made like the strongest team ever from all these sort of oldies with the Cavaliers, but they still couldn't do it in the goal and like the um, I want to say the Golden Gardens, but I think it's the same um, I think it's the same partnership because. So it's the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Golden State Warriors have been monstrous for like two years. Yes, but we like, lost see. Durant. Um, yeah, Durant like has gone off to like. And the, we just and um, I forgot his name. He retired. And Carmelo has been like just killing for like three years in a row. Carmelo's 
Carmelo's been in the league for so long and gotten nothing. I feel bad. Oh, yeah. He's, he's like the next uh, Steve Nash. Yeah. Just, like, lauded for being so talented and so powerful. But and same with uh, Rose. But, Derek Rose. Well, Derek Rose has no knees. So, like, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't care. Like, he has no knees. He has gotten so many injuries. It's like, dude, cash your checks, go to Florida, and die. Yeah, like, like, you're, you're he, done, dude. I mean, he did have a last year... I remember he was crying. Yo, do they get a, paid for sitting on the bench? Yeah. 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 You get paid. You still get a ring if you're sitting on the bench and they win. Yeah, you get a ring probably if you're like, if you're like your sports trainer. Like the whole org gets a ring. Yeah. And they get money for winning as well. Yeah. Like and sponsorship. Like this is where everyone's getting mad at Brett Favre over in football yeah. for now retiring. And it's like, dude, if I could get paid $200,000 a year to sit on a bench and watch another team play like NFL. Was he like 40? Yeah. Like he's 40. He's obviously gray. Like he's got that dad bod <laughs> going on. Just like... Dilf right there, man. Just like we lost a lot of. I mean, I'm a Giants fan when it comes to football, and we lost a lot of our people. We lost OBJ, um, Pierre Paul. I think I was a what was it? I was a Giants fan when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, like back like in 2006 or eight or something like that, somewhere in there. They're I, the underdog. Like, everyone's like Patriots, 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 and then the Giants are like I fuck off. I think the the world has come to the point where it's like if if the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, everybody's going for the other team, no matter what the team is. It's oh like, yeah. Um, the problem is that like the Patriots system is so good, and like so the Patriots actually the Kel- the um the Kraft family mm-hmm. they actually own a team in the Overwatch League, um uh, over in video game esports, and so the Boston Uprising are actually treated as a totally different team from everyone else because of how they function. Because so far, like in the first two seasons of the Overwatch League, they have done nothing but develop talent and sell it. Speaking of EA Sports, when I was about to move from here. There was a job from EA Sports. Oh, EA, EA Games over there yeah. in, like, Maitland area? Yes, and all, they were hiring for, like, EA is the worst Madden. thing. EA is I the... don't know. I was excited. I looked at it, and I was like, you get to play Madden all day? No, you I don't. I suck at it. No. But no. I was, don't... You I, don't. There's no job where you're playing sports all... I mean, playing games all day. But, no. I mean, there are jobs, but... No, you have to be, like, an entertainer on yeah, YouTube and shit. Yeah, and you have to do all this And YouTube shit. is killing itself, actually, with all of its trying to be mainstream. Because, like, that what was it? Have you ever heard of the game theory guy? No. It's like, this is just a theory. <laughs> a game theory. Like, that's, like, his whole bit. He made this video where he basically explained, like, right after E3 happened this past uh, mm-hmm. couple months, he basically made this uh, video where he's explaining how, like, YouTube is actually going to kill itself and kill the gaming industry. YouTube? Yeah. How? Why? So... <laughs> So YouTube now hosts E3, the big, the giant convention of the year where mm-hmm. Xbox, Microsoft, Nintendo, all of them so come out and show yeah. their new games or show the new consoles and stuff. And so YouTube is the main broadcaster of this. It's not like ABC or anything like that. It's very much internet focused. Now, with YouTube trying to become more mainstream and putting out a lot of NBC, Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert, trying to just appeal more and more to like the general audience as opposed to how they used to be where it's much more it felt more creator focused mm-hmm. um what they're doing is that they're basically barring and they're demonetizing and de- de-incentivizing people to play violent cussy gory games mm-hmm. so like so like mortal Kombat was one of the prominent examples he brought out where like the most recent mortal Kombat game that came out was like on review the best to date but in the in the world of marketing, there's like paid marketing. There's but there's the, paid marketing. There's um, 
the organic there's paid organic and there's earned marketing earned, yes there's an earned the marketing earned. so like think about all the people that literally go out and they just make content about the game or about the product yeah that's youtube's biggest like thing people like if people make go and make like fan theories on tumblr about your book that's earned marketing like people yeah. are marketing for your product mm-hmm. because they love it so much like you don't have to pay them, you don't have to do anything. Nothing. As long as you Basically don't. Basically, word of mouth. Almost. Yeah, like Riot, <laughs> like League of Legends is the most popular video game in the world. It's a uh, top-down MOBA, and what Riot did well for their marketing scheme is that they didn't fuck with any creators. They just let everyone create whatever they wanted with their content. So you could record the game and find all these tools and stuff to make storylines or make whatever or make instruction videos, yada yada. But what YouTube's doing is that they're demonetizing anyone that has any cussing, any blood, any odd, you know, shit like that for, like, um, anything that's not mainstream or not safe for, yeah. like, ads. When they had the it's adpocalypse. Not it's not PC, so to speak, or whatnot. Yeah. And so what that – so the big joke is that, like, Mortal Kombat's big, huge reviews, but no one's going to play it because they can't make money off of it. Like, in terms of the earned media aspect. Okay, so there's one piece. The other piece, the other little example that was, like, because I didn't watch E3, is that YouTube is broadcasting E3 themselves. And E3 is gamer culture. It's full of people that are just most, it's predominantly a male populace, more often than not. Mm -hmm. And so it's full of its own sort of cussing here and there's. And, like, so of Cyberpunk 2077 or whatever, the big game that Keanu Reeves is now in, that, like, is gonna be like ridiculous and not gory, but it's gonna have cussing, it's gonna have sexual themes, it's gonna be a mature rating, like for sure. YouTube is literally live streaming this and having to bleep it out as it goes. And it's like, you're already, you're already shitting on your own production. Like you knew what this was. This is the biggest convention. This is the biggest event in video games. So it's games. basically like, when you're watching the news or anything, imagine going through your to... imagine going through your book and getting rid of anything that could be offensive, politically incorrect, or like cuss word. Like think about that. Like I don't because I obviously don't know the content. Yeah, of your there book. is there are some curse words in there. Yeah, but like think about like think how if I had to take those out, and that's the thing. Like when I spoke about this book in general, I kept thinking about damn, what I what if I had to take out these curse words? Like it loses its vigor. It loses yeah, its, its because. Meaning. Like, like cuss words do a lot of things that people don't actually properly evaluate, like, psychologically. Mm-hmm. That's where, like, there's this fun, there's this very popular meme that goes around that people that cuss more often are trusted more, or, like, they tell the truth more often. Yeah. And it's, like, because they're, because they're, they're more... They're bleeping themselves. There's also one that says they're smarter. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Because and they're not... They're not censoring themselves. So, yeah, they're and not, so you have to think. When you're censoring yourself, you're thinking before you're... Yeah, you're, and those people that cuss more often are right in... They're, they're coming from an emotional place. And mm-hmm. if you're coming from an emotional place, regardless of how unintelligent or bombastic or dangerous it can be because you could be hurting people when you're being emotionally charged and just saying whatever like comes from your emotions, you're still being honest. And people will be like, he... They will not say that person is a dishonest person that say that person went the fuck off they didn't lie mm-hmm. like and also ca- it shows your passion for something it shows your passion yeah a lot it of things it also shows you're authentic yeah and which that's is the biggest like it it the authenticity and the honesty really goes hand in hand because people like someone that they know what's coming out of their mouth is the truth yeah yeah and if you're sitting that's why a lot of the times when someone's when I'm interviewing someone, now that I'm a manager, when you're interviewing someone, you kind of want them to think through their answers, but at the same time, 
you want them to be the truth. You want them to put their gut out there yeah. and then figure out the most articulate way yeah. that actually like it's one of those like I want to make a glass is like the base thing that they want to say for like a metaphorical but then eventually you get them to articulate like it's going to look like a mason jar it's going to be tall and thin yeah. like it's one of those I want like, the truth to come out of your mouth and, yeah, and like, I'm not expecting you to be like coming to an interview like well, shit no well that's well that's the thing that like I like to teach kids when I'm cussing around like teenagers or even even really young kids like let's understand something I can list off to you every cuss word right now but if you go around and set spirit spreading them out either you and I are never going to be able to hang out again and that'll be your fault or you're going to say it so much you're going to be annoying and no one wants to deal with you yeah because I have a friend like that not a friend but someone a coworker who literally every other word is fuck yeah and, and it's like, like you're you're wasting what is a very highly emotional word yeah you're just saying it now it's like yeah. you're, it's it's how people, when people say like value. it's yeah. too much adobo people say like every every two seconds to explain something you're yeah. saying fuck for every you're part. putting so much adobo on the chicken it's just it's it now it's now it's crunchy yeah and we haven't even put it on the pan <laughs> it's yet too salty. yeah like fuck man this fucking shit is so fucking crazy yeah and i'm like Bro, Thanks, Wayne. You said it so many times, and I can't even get through your sentence. Well, and that's where people really appreciate like a high like um, spread of vocabulary, like a very like high word count. Yeah, or, not like, even unique, just, un- unique word count. Okay. It's not even just fuck. If you're using the same word any in any sentence over and over again, it's annoying. Well, that's where like became one of the most hated words ever. Yeah. Why? Like, 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 literally, I hated. <laughs> the word so much I wanted to figure out how to do metaphors and similes without using like because I heard it so much like in rap and stuff mm-hmm. and I wanted to figure out a different way to do it and then like I actually sort of intuitively predicted Lil Wayne's success because he did metaphors I was just about to say something like that well Lil Wayne was the only like I don't care what your opinion is about Lil Wayne Lil Wayne's metaphorical game in his uh, lyric writing never uses the word like he gives you like the scene a painted picture and then he throws the metaphor yeah. he doesn't have to say like there is no like to transition yeah. from scene to metaphorical equivalent and his wordplay is crazy well he is college educated he's smart and he's somehow he has the kind of apparent brain power that he needs weed to bring him down to actually put it out it's kind of like a lot of people have negative per- thoughts about this person but kanye mm-hmm. kanye his brain is too active it's too active let's call it active I was gonna say advanced but it's not necessarily advanced but he has so many ideas and so much things shooting through his brain that if he doesn't somehow calm himself that's why he has a mental disorder because his brain can't calm the hell down like no yeah Yeah. and that's where like that's where he ends up where he ends up he also says things and then people are like but he also he also got the mindset in him way early on to just not give a fuck because he refused to hear the word no Mm-hmm. Because he never saw anything. Majority positive. of the celebrities we ha- know today is because they just didn't stop. They don't fucking take the. Well, yeah. J.K. Rowling uh, literally heard the note thirty times. Yeah. In her book. Well, Disney was on that page as well. Yeah. It's that like, and that's where people want to call them arrogant. I was like, no, the people that I think anyone that calls a well-respected artist, um, industry celebrity, anyone that calls them arrogant or whatnot, is sort of missing the mark of like, no, they've just chosen to say fuck you to anything that's going to stop them. you realize that being in the limelight, people analyze every single fucking oh, thing yeah. you do. And so I well, would get to a point where I'd just be like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want because I'm going to anger someone well, anyways. Yeah, well, that's where we're having this big crisis where like um, free speech is getting its own big thing and like sense, the sense of privacy because now everyone has a eyeglass on them because of social media. So now you sort of have to look at the attempt at PC culture by like the liberal companies medias and whatnot mm-hmm. and go yeah no fuck that 
because and that's sort of what this podcast is also sorting sort of trying to make me do is to speak persistent truth mm-hmm. and not apologize because because otherwise you're compromising truth and you're compromising yourself yeah. and you're gonna sell yourself out to what people think about you more or less yeah that's that was my main component where I just had to tell myself stop listening to your stupid negativity or yeah. anyone else's negativity because if you're not you're not gonna get through it you can't, no you can't get through anything in life if you're listening to everybody else yeah. I promise you you're not gonna get that very that get get that far well it's a weird thing to where like so let's get like really um metaphysical <laughs> it's you shouldn't be listening to the filtered version of the universe through other people's mouths you should be listening through how it directly speaks to you yeah and it speaks to everybody differently it does. It's very. It's different wavelengths across the damn thing. I mean, it's that's the point that's where the I was. Issue I have with religion, it's like you're all. Well, you're applying a giant filter to the universe's speech, and then trying to mass produce that one message that one person got. Yeah. Well, not only and we that, all get spoken to differently. We by, do. Like I said. But it's the thing is, is that you know, the like for example, the interplay between Jews, Christians, and Muslims. You all have the same God. It's well, we also have the same majority of the same concepts. Yeah. yeah. Like, I started reading the Quran, and I was like, I'm literally reading Genesis in a different font. Yeah. Like, it's not Times New Roman. It. It's just, it's just you know, Calibre or some shit. Like, yeah. I was I like, love it. It was just Adam and Eve with, like, slightly different hyphens. And I'm like, this is more Spanish than, like, Islamic. But go on. Do like, you want to know what's funny? People, they'll put the cover of the... I've, I've heard the, this the um, bible on the no, quran other way around they'll put the well they've seen both they'll put the cover of the quran on a bible and read so some of like the violent passages like yeah. job and whatnot and they'll be like oh of course that's you know yeah from the islamic culture and then just really this is from your bible hardcover that's also shows you don't know your content exactly <laughs> it doesn't but like oh and then the other way around oh you're gonna make me go on a jordan peterson rant <laughs> Oh, you're going to make me go on a Jordan Peterson rant. How much time for the rant do we have? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that, homeboy? You know? You know? I'm just, I already know that you, by how perplexed you are, there's a rant that's, like, festering inside. Okay, so, like, the best thing, I think there's so much that's coming out of... <laughs> I didn't. You did this. Okay, so, like, so for, in my mind, and especially someone that's been, like, just watching and analyzing culture since, like, high school, because I was seeing a lot of the things that were going to happen. Like, I was afraid of the, like... The male dominance has been so prominent for so long in America that with the birth control pill and eventually leading into where we are now, I was in high school, like pre-2010, going, I'm scared that the feminine rise will become tyrannical Mm -hmm. in its attempt to find balance. It's where the pendulum swings from too far from one side to the other, and we are in the midst of it swinging harder and harder to the other side and and not trying to put... Did you sorry to interrupt? Did you see Dave Chappelle stand up? Yes. Oh yeah, with yeah, and yeah. His main and point and was that's like, and him and Bill Burr. I need to watch Bill Burr's most recent, but I haven't. That seen is him. right now. That is the best thing that can happen because right about now, p uh, politically being politically correct is actually in my mind a direct attack on free speech and the ability to have free thought. Exactly, but I also think that his point in the in the movie or in the the stand. If you was, say or do anything, I don't care if it was 10, 20 years. Yeah, he it's was like, saying, like, I'm all for the cause of women having equal rights. But at the same time, he's like, you're almost messing it up for yourself. He says that yeah. on the stand-up. Well, he had that back when, like, the one of the first, when he had the two of the, um, the um, equanimity and the other one. Yeah. He's like, ah, it's like, where women were like, no, we've had it just as bad as the blacks. And he's like, slow your roll, bitch. 
that was one of my favorite parts like, of it. You got you got you got the good cut. You just didn't like what you got of yeah. the cut. <laughs> like it's, I it's, love, it's I was talking to someone about this. I love Dave Chappelle's stand up because it makes you think it's not just him talking shit about people. Oh no, he's he gonna makes the... you think, and he's like, "Oh damn, shit!" Like the Bill Cosby thing. He's like, this "Yeah, it's like he, he was like he's a superhero, <laughs> but he's gotta like just kit, just gotta tickle one." And then he was like uh, something about Michael Jackson. He's like, when he said about the the whole thing, he's like, "He's I mean, dead." He got raped, but like it was Michael Jackson, pop, the king of pop. Like you cannot get better. You have to that. reevaluate yeah. like that whole damn thing. In a yeah, way, damn, well, he did right. that, and he did that on Louis C.K. too, just sort of like bringing into perspective Louis, because while Louis basically exposed himself inappropriately to people and may have, and they may have felt they were locked into a situation and couldn't leave the dressing room or whatever, it's like, I don't know. The next smartest thing you can do is actually be a victim blamer because we keep trying to defer responsibility, and it's like we are actually copying the trend that our leaders, our political leadership set in the 90s where no one was taking responsibility for everything, and it was just pointing across the aisle. Mm. And now it's been going on for so long that 20 years later, we're, going, we're just doing victim... We're just pointing the finger okay, and then trying to just make holy victims when it's like it's your responsibility to fix the world and to fix yourself. And if you do neither for 20 years, that's on you. Yeah, um, and with the, I mean, with the whole th- rape thing, can we just agree? I'm sorry if you commit to a situation and decide after the fact you didn't like it. That's not rape. Yeah, that, well, that's there's there's the difference. Well, and that was um, a reason, uh, a zero Ansari's thing. Like yeah, he literally yeah. had he had a sincere hookup. She might have been uncomfortable or something like that. And she came back later. Cause and like, she came back later. Like, and honestly, like, let's talk about this. I've been in a situation where I, hi guys, I'm gay. I'm lesbian. I've been in a situation where I've been with a guy, and we've been making out. She was confused. It was high school. It was the beginning of time. I didn't know. It was last week. (laughs) His name was Chuck. (laughs) So, yes, I've been in a situation where I've made out with a guy, and we've done things. I have, no, I have not gone all the way. Um, We've done things, and I've been like. She has not broken the lesbian battle. Yeah, I was like, no, I'm still a gold star. Um, (laughs) And we've done things, and I've, I've been uncomfortable after the fact. I wouldn't come back and say that he molested me. Because it was my decision to get into that situation. But yeah. that's different from rape. Yeah. Like, true, actual... Like, true, rape. like, holding you down, beat, beat your face, make it more black and blue yeah, than it that's, is. And... Ex- thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yes, that's that's different. But I get what you're saying. Well, People come, have come back, like you said, well, with disease, and they've made out with someone and had a good conscious hookup, but they thought it was good together. And they come back a week, two weeks later, a month later, and say... I didn't like that situation. I just thought about it and I didn't like it. Well, yeah. okay. That's like you're fair to have like that was not a that was not a positive sexual encounter. Yeah, that's and, all you just have and, to take and go out to. and go from there. Yeah, but like so, there's there's certain um things that are identified by Jordan that I'm sitting there going like yeah like I was actually quite self hating in a way as a male back like to, like 2010s area and mm. like forward because there was such a negative perspective on men because like i want to throw that certain impacts that affected is that like the divorce culture the lack of like fully developed male role models Mm -hmm. and so like toxic masculinity i think is a real thing in a way but there's certain things about like the masculine half of society um the patriarch the patriarch aspect Mm -hmm. that is quintessential to proper balance and that feels like a no duh, but there's a certain like certain part where we undervalue men 
and the legal system undervalued men. So the kids weren't getting raised by by just even halfway decent men, like C average men. Mm-hmm. If you have a bunch of C average men raising kids, you're doing all right because like the bell curve is being met. You should be fine. But they go away. The woman is overvalued in the divorce settlements and how the children are sent apart. And so, like men are demonized, and then young boys feel demonized and feel just like they're the worst thing in the world because they're born men. And then you go into where like. They don't know how to interact with each other. They're not allowed, or they're, or we're just having the mother's desire to be too safe, and then you don't go out and just experiment around, and, and then wait and sort of not wait, but like have the uncomfortable encounters, recognize that they're just uncomfortable encounters, and they're not things to put someone like incarcerate some young man away. And with. mothers biologically cannot understand what young boys are going through because my no. mom, my mom explicitly says guys this. know this. We can't comment on periods. We can just ask if you want chocolate or cupcakes. Like that's all we can do. But no, when my mom was raising my brother as a single mom, you know, she had she, to have. She was like, so my my stepdad yeah. got involved, um, and he was like, no. That is a normal boy reaction. That is the proper reaction to what yes. is he's going through. And my mom, because she is a woman, cannot understand that. No. Yes. And it's um, a lot of the reasons why you'll see a guy who's feminine and people are like, he's gay. And they're like, no, he's not gay. He was great. He was raised by solely women. So he's reacting how a woman would react rather than how, because he was never taught to how exactly. a man would react to something. Well, and that's, um, that's actually me, because like... I was raised primarily by my mom, but my mom was quite masculine, like, by trait. Like, my mom could dress up, but she literally probably broke, broke most... She broke all of the bones in her hands, more or less, with horses. She was the girl that preferred to be out on horseback during homecoming night than actually on the dance floor. Yeah. Like, my mom was just... He was on horseback before he was born. Like, two weeks before I was born. Like, my mom was just hanging out, big <laughs> belly, just galloping across the field, like, fuck all. Like, that's that's my mom. And so, like... My ass, like I had, um, I actually, I actually, um, so, um, psychologically speaking, is that males will compete in their own, well, males and females actually compete in their own hierarchies. Women will compete in their own hierarchies based on their own pieces, and male will, males will compete, and then women will pick from the winners of the male hierarchy. That's actually how it sort of biologically, psychologically works. My, not really dumbest, but my misinformed, my just, not having a solid male role model until fucking like 16, 17, mm-hmm. actually, in a way, I think, tried to compete in the female, or maybe just did try to compete in the female hierarchy mm-hmm. of trying to understand women more than any guy really ever would mm-hmm. in a high school area. And I never saw like contending in the male hierarchy as worth my time. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I'm trying to win the favor of women, so what the fuck do I care about what men think? And that can be like a you know a 200 IQ play that makes you like the alpha because you don't care what any other alphas have to say. But if you have and if you have your shit together like physically, mentally, intellectually, then you can like take the kick and win. But like let's say they're not like someone's not near as blessed as me and they try to compete in the female hierarchy. One, in the, they're in the wrong domain, like at least in the statistical area. Yeah. So women will consistently, like, just frame me, and this is what happened a lot, is that I got framed, and I had, like, I had mothers, like, mother figures of mine just, like, sort of trying to pray the gay away on me because I could never, like, land a relationship and stick with it for a lot of other reasons. And so, like, I had things and knowledge bases and tendencies that were way more feminine, and I'd also sort of rejected masculinity because of just a lot of the things that were taught. Like, 
during our age group, we were sort of taught that it was the woman to make the call on the sexual encounter. Mm -hmm. And the man just like couldn't control himself. And I sat there like around eighth grade going like, fuck that. Like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And so yeah. I chose to take like massive responsibility and head in another direction and sort of like exit, like I guess the standard hierarchies in a way. So. And that's, I, th I think for me, I have three older brothers. I obviously have a father. And so it was just me and my mom in the household that were women. Yeah. And all I was seeing was male things. Yeah. So I wanted to be like my brothers. I want to play. If they played basketball, I wanted to play basketball. Yeah, and that's that's a sibling thing right there for that's sure. That's a sibling thing, and also just having a lot of masculine energy around. Yeah. Me. But when I grew older, it was like I wasn't connecting to the girls correctly because they were like worried about makeup and like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had much more feminine things they cared yeah, about. And I'm yeah. Just like, mm, I don't really get that. Yeah. I'm not yeah. a fan of it. Yeah. Well, I think that also speaks to your personal like temperament because you can think about how there are very clear anecdotal examples of where there's like the one female amongst a bunch of brothers but she's like hyper feminine yeah and so i think that while there is a very obvious like nurture aspect the nature part of you that speaks to it and i think there's something that's like there's doesn't it feel like whenever there is a um a sexual deviation like they become homosexual or even like bi or whatever it's kind of like it kind of feels like you. It's easily spotted. Maybe it's perhaps it's naturally influenced or, or nurture influenced by like a family member or just like how many or like their brother sister relations. A like, lot of the time, like your your story of like I had a lot of brothers. Like oh, that explains why you're a lesbian. It's sort yeah. of like the hyper simplified. And that's the thing. When I came out to my parents, my thing was. She's like, oh, this is the reason why you don't like to wear purses and like to wear sneakers instead. And, that's and I was like, no, that's a personal temperament. exclusive. Like me being gay has nothing to do with that fact. That yeah, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Um, me being a tomboy has to do, with, like I said, having brothers. And, yeah. Like, seeing it all, and that's all I. Knew. And also just having an aesthetic that appeals to you. Yeah. Like there's something about some how that close people don't realize that clothes are important. Yeah. Like so well, what you yeah. feel comfortable in, I probably wouldn't feel comfortable. I never, even as a child, felt comfortable in dresses and skirts. Like yeah. I wanted to wear. Just jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and t-shirts. And, like, it was just always me. So, like, I had to explain to her that they don't mean anything together. Like, no. She doesn't get it. Yeah. But my point being, like, like you said, psychologically, there's a big debate on if you're born this way or not. And psychologically, I may not have been born this way. The point is, what you go through in life kind of does shape who you are. Yeah, it shapes what you want to do and what so, you want to try. So, I don't know what... I can't... I'm not a psychologist. I can't tell you, like, what shaped me yeah. to be what I am today. Yeah. But... I, it could have been something psychological that's different from like born this way. I mean, you know, there's some kids where you, they come out the womb and they're just extra feminine, like guys. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, mm, he's going to be gay when he grows up. And he is. And then they're straight and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and some of that is actually very biological. So, for example, some of the boys, for example, that are more feminine, part of the reason why they're more feminine is because the mother did not produce as much, as much testosterone. Yeah. There's so many reasons. There are. Yeah. Well, there is one thing that I, I think there was a scientific paper on it, just like beginning, you know, the theory in a way, just building mm -hmm. like the case. But there was one input to where the level of like sexual activity in a way and that not like not how many partners, but like how attracted to that part of the population the mother was or something like that mm -hmm. influenced the sexual deviation of the child. Mm -hmm. So like if you had maybe not actually a, like a whore, but like the kind of mother that was wanted to be very like very um, sexual or very straight like just wanted to just whore around with guys 
and none of that's like in a negative connotation. Like it could be like straight as can be, like mm-hmm. one partner, but they're very, very, very straight, like very much in love with dick mm-hmm. for like a very crude like explanation. Like that may very well like have transferred over to like the son be like, well, came out, mom loved dick, so do I, and off we go. The, I mean, there's, and that's why I think it's so interesting. The, <laughs> the family line will die with me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like the more that we go on in life we're going to learn so much more about what yeah. goes on with the yeah. with the human brain and why <coughs> people come out the way they came out and well, why they like the things they like we're still trying to really find technology to actually understand what's happening mm-hmm. and so since we don't even have that technology we don't have the vocabulary for it there's no way at this point in time we can really even express you know i mean but i think it's so much more than that because a species animals are, yeah, penguins, dolphins. Yeah, there yeah. are. So it there are homosexual. There are homosexual parts of nature that are yeah. there. And so that's another reason why it's hard for me to conceptualize it because I'm like, it's not just humans. If no. this was just a human thing, no. I'd this say is okay. The, this is a nature thing, and it's not like a random mutation. Yeah. Because like. It's in every species. It's in every. It's in a lot of mammalian species. That's why I was like, if it was just a human thing, I'd say. Like okay, this is Homo sapiens. We we something happens to us. Yeah, like there. But then the fact that it's happening through animals who don't have the same thought process as us, then I'm like. And it's been happening for millions of years, millions of years, millions of years. But people don't understand that they think it. Well, no, they don't. Here's the funny (laughs) thing: is that like all the transsexuals, the transgenders, and everything like that, all that is just now being having a spotlight put on it. Yeah, it's it's not that exactly. It's always been there in Indian or Native American culture. That person who has yeah. who is is actually a man female. Yes, they actually not worship, but they 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 were seen as someone that had a unique perspective and to be valued. That exactly, I couldn't and think of it, but yeah, that's it. I know we've that's been I've seen that meme, I've seen that thrown I around. Mean, it's yeah. and it's perfect because it is someone that has a massively unique perspective, and thus that is a life form that. They need, are able to connect both sides. They can connect both sides in a way that, like, a standard male, standard woman, like, never could. Exactly. And that's to we're be only like, putting the, like you said, they're only putting the spotlight on it now because we're fighting for rights and everything. Um, <laughs> but this has been going on for years more than we even know. It's it's probably been around the same amount of time as any lesbian or gay. Um, yeah, no. Well, they were already there back. Like, they, they, like all this has been happening for millions of years, and only and it's only now in the current news cycle in a way that it's a high profile thing. Exactly. And so it's a only lot because of, of like the last. Very religious are like, oh, this is the devil coming out, and he's coming. No, they're know. they're devoid of like good scientific literature. That's well, all that is. Um, there are a lot of like leftists, for example, that are kind of using this as their platforms almost to get attention. Attention. Because so for well, there's for, a it's lot an, of people. There's a lot of, for example, trans or you know people that are like i do not identify with these crazy people that are you know shouting they're utilizing their their transgender identity or their transgender existence for a political cause exactly well and that happens every year with i mean or every four years or probably every year yeah um where they pick a topic that is like the biggest topic at that moment yeah and that's the topic that they speak on yep yeah well that and that's what's it's it's really funny when you hear about like like someone receiving like a prominent um figure getting like 70 like handwritten or just just letters from transgenders going like i was fine i don't want all this attention i don't need all this bullshit yeah like they've been existing fine there's mm-hmm. like which bathroom can i go into that'll cause the, le- the least amount of like and that's bullshit. A, a big debate where i'm just like Oh, so the man's gonna be in the bathroom. My daughter's in there. I'm like, I don't think you understand the concept of trans. 
Um, well, that's good. where they also try to throw around the bullshit of like how pedophilic like gays were, and it's like no, no, that's <laughs> yeah, that's a pedophile. Yeah, the difference between pedophile a very, and gay person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, and, I'm sorry, the person that's going around with their phone down here, you know, down at their side, as far down as they can go, shooting up people's skirts, that guy's straight. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is where, like, so, um, there was a, there was a, a, I don't need to name who it is, but they, like, took a picture on, and put it on Instagram, and it was one of those, like, it was like a, it was one of the bathroom, like, little signs next to the door, and it was, like, open to all genders kind of thing. It had, like, a picture of, like, everything, like, man, woman, child, and something like that. And I sat there and went, like, can we just, like, how about we just go to a world where we just have bathrooms? I mean, people don't understand we've had bathrooms for years that were... Unisex. Unisex. Well, I think... Is is Europe like that? I can't remember. Europe was... Europe was... Yeah. But, like... Family bathrooms are Well, this is is actually a stand-up bit that I want to try to, like, materialize is where I just kind of want to, like, raise the... Like, just have everyone raise their hands, like... How many of y'all in here are men? Cool. How many of y'all in here are women? Cool. How many of y'all of you are somewhere in between? Two? Cool. See, we're still in charge, but we like you of the minority. We're cool. But I don't need to change the structure of civilization to make you feel better. Yeah, like, I saw a big thing of the whole non-binary thing, and people are just not getting it. Like, well, people are trying to get have, hyper-technical with it. Yeah. Have you actually seen the article that the, pers- the first person that was declared non-binary said it was all a hoax and it was because he was tired of being a female? Like, if you're... No, I did not hear about this. Here's my... Th- well, go, you want to finish so, that? Yeah, I'll finish yeah. that. So, um, the article came out from the first person that was declared non-binary, and his whole story was he was a guy, and due to traumas, he decided that his life would basically be better if he was a female. Mm-hmm. And so, he did became a female, and instead of saying, you know, the doctors, instead of saying, you know, what's going on? Why do you feel this way? Said, okay, let's get you the, the estrogen. and Yeah, know, they run a medical diagnosis instead of a psychological diagnosis. Change your body. Yeah. And he got to a point where he was like, this isn't me. It, I'm, I'm not a female. I have lived this life. I've, you know, done the hair. I've done it's the a failure to It's a failure to analyze the trauma and approach the trauma psychologically. It is. Mm-hmm. And so he went to some lawyers, I think is what it was, and basically asked the judge to be cl- to declared non-binary so that he could basically go back to being a male. Though he couldn't, of course, fully go back to being a male because I believe he had gotten the reconstruction. Yeah, the, the, physio- genital, the physiological the part. Surgery, yeah. But. The, yeah, so that's its own unfortunate cacophony of bullshit that we cannot dive further into because you actually have a book signing to go to over in Marcos. Yes, I do have a book signing today from 2 to 5, and I'm looking at the time. Is this the only book signing you're doing? I'm doing one in South Florida on Monday. On Monday? That'll be the 30th? Yes. Yes. Yeah, the 30th. So, yeah, because we'll probably put this out, like, immediately afterwards. Oh, so, you guys are fast. That's what she said. Uh, well, it's, yeah, I'll literally put it on there, throw, like, one image up there with, like, names and then just it'll probably take like 30 minutes for it to render and then upload it's, yeah it's like another uh, 30, is, so. is a, i mean my thing when my computer when i was doing videos for my youtube channel it would take more time just to get the video started set up on um what do you have iMovie Bef- and that was the longest process and the youtube was always the quickest process yeah youtube's pretty straightforward yeah i just gotta you have to render it yeah well that's because i need to go in and actually pull in like the logo and then put the names below 
I'm so fancy. I like to make it easy to figure out what's going on in each episode. It helps. So, but yeah. So, your new book, and we're like throwing your plugs before we cut this out. All right. Uh, my Instagram handle is author, C H A N T A L, last name Roche, R O A C H E. I also have a poetry Instagram, which is the writer's block, but the is spelled T H E E for those of you who can't spell the. Um, I also have my Facebook, which is the same exact handle, and my Twitter is at author Chantal R. So that is all my. And what's the name of your new book? Running out of tomorrows, um, which is just a very kind way to say, don't wait until tomorrow. Just do what you have to do now. And with that, thank you for coming on. Thank you for great having to, me. It's great to finally have you around, like for like a one-on-one, because usually it's been like parties and like yeah. bonfires. Yeah. And, and like, like very good events though you guys have very good events we know thank you <laughs> i miss the events <laughs> we miss having you you're always a blast to have i know what, what did i come for, from pride one time i came for like a bonfire. we just had like a thanksgiving bonfire here before yeah, yeah you were here for pride and you were here for the thanksgiving bonfire with your chick and i love bonfires yeah oh, my chick at the time who's still okay <laughs> so well, all righty thank you guys later. good day we'll see you all there <laughs>